Go away. Yeah, no, it just it, um, it just seemed like yeah, no, you just seemed you seemed like I was I was kind of like I I did it. We were like. Bad acting. I'm not. We're not doing the whole psycho opening again, are we? I mean, it was clever the first time, but how did you manage to edit the pilot without losing my mind? Welcome to episode one of Nothing to See Here with Stephen and Darren, a conversation between two quite brilliant minds. I know you've. I know you're old, and you've got you. You struggle with technology, but as somebody that's old and struggles with technology, how did you manage to turn Zoom on? Like accept the invitation. Probably the first time anyone's invited you for a very long time. But anyway, to anything. So you're invited to a Zoom meeting. You managed to accept the invitation, and when and and yet when the video comes on, there's an empty rocking chair, and you're not there. What just happened? I'm just going to tell the listeners that this podcast is called Nothing to See Here and that I accepted the, com- the invitation and I sat down and Darren, God controller of Zoom, decided to put me into the waiting room. So I was sitting here doing a podcast called Nothing to See Here, looking at nothing to see here on my screen. So I went to the toilet. So you minced off in the strop. You minced off in the strop. I walked purposefully towards the bathroom. You minced. You minced. I bet you went and did some gay baking. Anyway, by the way, I am a man with an alternate sexuality. What does that even mean? So I can be homophobic. Uh, that's not okay or true. But we, look, I've got things to say before we start talking. Okay, because we did a pilot episode and... Uh, and um, yeah, we, so we did a, the pilot episode and things were said, things happened in that pilot episode. Um, our present, um, what can you call them? Because you can't call them, I can't bring myself to call them a government because surely the definition of a government is that they govern. So I am reluctant to call them a government. I mean, like, if a parent is missing all of the, boxes on the job description uh are they still a parent that might be a question for later by the way and that is no comment just to be clear about parenting in the lockdown because i have so much freaking respect for parents parenting in the lockdown it's a it's more of the thing it's actually what it's about is our banana republic and the comedy uh overly educated underly lived experience uh, boarding school twats that have no humility, can't apologise for anything and won't own any of their mistakes such as making ventilators that only last for a couple of hours etc. So where am I going with this? I'm going to the fact that things happened in the pilot episode like people of Newmarket. Obviously you're in Suffolk Yeah, people of Cromer. I held the idea that you might be in Norfolk. Do I regret it? Am I sorry? I'm not the fucking Tories. Yes, I can own that. I'm sorry, people of Cromer, that I held the idea that you might have been in Norfolk temporarily. Ultimately, 
Oh, and there was the thing as well, my actors. I kept talking about my actors in the rehearsal room. How wanky is that expression? I mean, I need, I'm going to take that to therapy, by the way. Yes, that's how working class, this middle class, uh, working class boy is. Um, the ultimate, My actors. I know, you can come back to that. So this is difficult. The game that we're playing is difficult. It's a fine balance. I am a mental health professional. Can I just remind everyone of that? Teasing Stephen relentlessly, and it was relentless. It was a bit schoolboy. That's not okay. It's not okay because he doesn't have a colostomy bag. And if he did, it would be insensitive and inappropriate of a, anybody to keep going back and referring to it. But actually, the joke's on me because, of course, what Stephen has is a urostomy bag. And that is the only reference to any sort of bag that's going to happen in this episode. I'm finished monopolising now. <laughs> I actually paid so little attention to the pilot episode. I've absolutely no idea what any of that was about. All I heard was my actors. <laughs> I've no defence. I say so there's not even a, any comedy to be found in this moment because I have no defence. Yeah, no defence. Although you do owe me £50, by the way. Yeah, it's in the post. Absolutely owe me £50 of your global pandemic, not allowed to use real money monies. Uh, I swore within the first two minutes of last week, as I did consciously today. So I loved the fact that you said to me at the end that you were really impressed. It felt like my dad, who fucked up when I was 11, you know, I felt a little bit of a validation from my granddad in your case. Um, but, you know, but it was false praise because I'd sworn very early on. So what you're trying to say is I'm a father figure. Grandfather figure. Or, or maybe grandmother figure, because you do like baking. Not that baking is exclusively a feminine activity, of course. The only reason I don't bake is because you have to follow a recipe. And I like to cook to taste and smell. So I find baking difficult because you have to follow rules. Analyse that, Grandad. I was... Hang on, before we carry on with this... Yes. Are we putting any boundaries in? Are we putting any boundaries into this conversation? Uh, any boundaries? Mm. Such as, give me an example of a of a boundary. Well, the fact that you ended up apologising for last week. No, well, no, I did. did I? Yeah, yeah, no, I did. No, that I No, it's a difficult balance. I think it's an important balance that should be acknowledged. I'm a therapist. I I have ethical responsibilities. Uh, teasing somebody about they're imagined uh, Sainsbury's back. It's not okay, especially if they shop at Tesco's. I, I'm working with an actor here. My actor, as I like to think of him. Darren, my actor. <laughs> my little actor. My little pet. <laughs> little, he's like a little hamster in real life. And um, um, I am not going to talk about this very much because it won't interest Darren because it's about me. But I had a play reading last night and of a play written and Darren arranged the Zoom room meeting. And it was all arranged for 7.30. And bearing in mind, getting actors together is like, I love actors, um, but really getting them together is like herding cats and then some. So actually getting a day, an evening when we could all be together, let alone a time, which was 7.30, when we Steven, could all join Steven, together. Steven. Sorry to yeah. interrupt, don't lose your chain of thought, but can I check 
Is this a long story? So the time was <laughs> seven thirty. Can you skip to the end? What happens in the end? Who gets Darren, Did the butler Darren, do it? Darren sends an email round to all the actors saying, "Here's your Zoom invitation for seven o'clock." Please tell me that's not the punchline. Couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> Please tell me that's not the punchline. So that whole point of that really long story was that I asked people to be there to... So, going on... Yeah, actors. Not people, actors. You're still talking. Anyway, going on from that, we settled down to do this podcast in a Zoom room with Darren controlling it at three o'clock. He realises... He's not recording it. Okay. Is it time to have some honest conversations? It feels to me like... He's forgotten to push the record button. Hang on. Somebody who spends his life pushing people's buttons, he can't remember to push the record button. Who's recording this Zoom session? (laughs) Oh, Oh, it is recording. Oh, well done. Anyway, so who, who sent the so, invite for this? Who taught you how to use Zoom? Shush. So we then had to stop because my dad used to call people fatheads, <laughs> which apparently is northern, and I think it's one of the best descriptions of idiots. As a child, I always imagined he was talking about people with very big heads. As a, anyway, and uh, this fathead uh, didn't record it. So why are we doing this podcast? Well, we're doing this podcast because. Uh, we really do love talking to each other and uh, friendship is going to be our topic of conversation uh, for this podcast episode. So we're talking about friendship? Yeah, because I think friendship is so massively undervalued. Friendship for me is is the most important thing in the world. Um, So I had a difficult upbringing. I spent a lot of my childhood and teenage years surrounded by inappropriate adults and inappropriate adult behavior. So once I'd done a bit of therapy and grown up a bit, quite late on to be fair. Uh, Can I just interrupt here and just say to the listeners that you've heard everything you're gonna hear from me now and the next 40 minutes is gonna be solid Darren talking about himself. Carry on. <laughs> At some point in my life, I decided that I was gonna not have those people in my life. Because I think I spent a lot of my 20s and maybe even early 30s with, with, with kind of behaving inappropriately, interestingly, and having inappropriate people in my life. So at some point, I got very consciously controlled and controlling. Some people might even argue about who I let into what I would call my inner sanctum, my inner sanct circle. And those kind of five or six people um, have been very, very consistent, apart from uh, a few for about 15, 20 years. Uh, and then there's been a few newcomers. Uh, Norman Bates's mum rocking in front of me, <laughs> uh, being one of them. Uh, and and yeah, that's mostly gone well. The newcomers went pretty horrendously wrong with one of them, but that's not maybe for this episode because we're talking about friendship. And uh, so yeah, what does friendship mean to you, Stephen Thompson, rocking in his chair like Norman Bates's mother? Do you want to invoice me for that? Uh being your friend but do i want to invoice you for for yeah. me being your friend no I th- yeah for offering and becoming your friend i'd like to think of us as distant 
acquaintances. Okay, that's fine. I, you know, the guy in the office that you find like super difficult, and every time you end up in the kitchen together, and you're like, you're making a cup of tea. It's like, can you not come that close to me, please? You are the sort of person that would pretend origami is magic, and 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 then who knows what would happen. When I say I, it means I'm about to start a sentence. No, sorry, it means I've started a sentence. I can't remember what I was going to say now because of that stupid load of rubbish you just spoke. I, some of you know, I discovered I'd had a harder childhood than I realised I'd had at the time. I'm not going to go into desperate details here, but I basically put my uh, my safe place became should have been my mum and became other things. Um, my teddy bear, I think, was one of them. And bed, I think, was another one and, and going to sleep. That was my safe place. And as I grew older, it became the house we lived in and it became my friends. And I, for a long time, put too much into my friends. I think I, I used to get very jealous if people didn't give me all the attention I wanted. Um, but I've, I've been talking to a therapist for a while, I've stopped now, and I've got the right balance now. And Darren's been a terrific friend, and um, I think if I'd met him a few years ago, I'd have got hideously jealous and wanted his attention all the time. But uh, fortunately, he's just very needy, and he needs my attention all the time, so it's just worked out really well. Um, what does it mean to you? If you had to define it, what does it mean to you? Friendship is, and it all sounds very cliche, but when I was going through the beginning of therapy and finding all the stuff about myself and my mum and dad were ill and dying and everything. I could go, I, I uh, didn't consciously choose, I didn't want to be with all my friends all the time. I needed an awful lot of time on my own and it just so happened by luck, default, fate, what have you, that some people were around at that moment, um, which is no offence against the people that weren't, it was just that they weren't there because of whatever reason. And Darren happened to be one of those people. Um, and friendship was being just being able to go and talk uh, honestly and not have anybody judge me or j j I could just, because I felt a bit of an idiot that I just misread my life up until that point. People would just listen and empathize and just, I realized how many uh, non judge and, and just not judge and I know that sounds really silly because obviously friends don't judge but when you're in that position of really really needing people to be like that with you I don't think there's anything more important it's about burying the body isn't it whose body exactly so you phone me three in the morning you're like I've, <laughs> I've, I've killed uh, beep uh, to protect the guilty uh, will you help me bury the body? Now, I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying I would help you bury the body, but what we would have is a proper conversation about what's going on, what led you to do what you did. Uh, you lured him in with a magic trick, showed him which wasn't even a magic trick. It was origami. Um, got a bit carried away. Um, I did a Zoom, very brief Zoom course that taught me a couple of magic tricks. And because Darren is best friends with Darren Brown and Penn and Teller, 
Um, he's been really critical of the fact that one of the tricks, bearing in mind this poor man was trying to teach people over a Zoom interface, was just, and, and he was teaching bar street tricks. One of the tricks was very quickly to turn a napkin into a rose with a leaf. And it was so lovely, and I was so proud that I managed to do it. Um, and now it's just another thing that's been thrown on the floor and trampled on by suggesting I hang out the window with my origami not magic because I'm not good enough. Yeah. And that's actually, it's not funny. No, it's not. No, because you you lured him with your rabbit out the hat trick, which is a real magic trick. So to, to, you know, to, to bring yourself down to the likes of origami, not funny. You're right. It's not okay. Um, yeah, so but there we are, burying the body or having the conversation about burying the body. That's the thing, isn't it? It's about the people that know you, uh, love you, you can rely on, you can have. For me, again, it's about honesty. It's like the things I love about my friends is that they they pick me up on my shit, of which there is an awful lot. I'm not talking about you. You're like I say, you're the seedy man in in the in the office. You're my seedy. I don't, I don't know why you've become seedy today. No, I don't know why I've become seedy. I think now I think another thing is we had this running joke of saying are you okay when both of us weren't okay and yeah I I have a real problem when somebody says oh are you okay I do really want to tell them how I am (laughs) can't just say yeah I'm fine and we just sort of knew we both weren't okay and got into this running joke and we were sort of able to talk and not talk at the same time and know how we were both feeling without having to go through a forensic analysis of it and that was that was but at the same time we spoke enough that we weren't just you know sitting in parallel and not communicating at all yeah you're talking about connection really nice yeah it was a really nice balance because I didn't I had so much to say about what was going on in my life and there's no way I could have started with it because friend Darren became a new friend at that point there's no way I could have just gone through it. It would have taken about six days. And um, I didn't need to. He just, he just got it and he didn't badger me with questions or try to surprise me or unearth stuff. Um, it was just very easy. And, I, and he was very, he was just there for me. Yes. Really important. Um, tell me about your week. <sighs> oh, my week. I don't know. I did a magic class. And I had my play read, but we don't want to talk about that because that's, you know, treading on your toes. And I baked. All I did was I, he texted me, Darren, and said something. And I said, I can't talk, I'm baking. And then I got back about 50 texts. Well, there weren't, there were about six. <laughs> saying that is the gayest text ever now i think there are people in this world personally who have probably sent texts that are gay that is not one of them look and ever and i'm standing by this was spelled e-v-a-h in capital letters there's so much in this moment that is not okay with me and then I said, and then it was actually on another day when I was doing another lot of baking, I said, can't talk now, I'm baking, I'll get back to you. And then the phone rang 10 minutes later when I had flour all over my hands. So, 
So much of this is not okay with me. For a start, I just want to be clear as a man with an alternate sexuality. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? There is nothing inherently baking about gay. What, is, what does alternate sexuality mean? It just makes me feel a bit sick. I know, exactly. Uh, but texting somebody, telling them that you can't talk or communicate about something that was very important, by the way. Um, because <laughs> it wasn't. baking... It's important at all. It's baking. Uh, you haven't promoted anything, this podcast. I haven't. Shall I? I'm going to promote... Sexual Health London. There's more leaves blowing past my window. Why is that not interesting for you? Because that's quite random. That's quite random. So I could like, oh, damn cheek theatre company, or the fact that, you know, or uh, whatever. But no, I've gone Sexual Health London, and you raised your eyebrows and looked out of the window, did an impression of Norman Bates' mother. Why is that not interesting for you? And you still managed to plug damn cheek theatre company even there. Saying I'm not going to plug if it. If there is a plug, I'm going to plug Sexual Health oh. Look, I'm holding a leaflet. Off you go. Plug away. Ask me why. Do good co-presenting. Why are you promoting Sexual Health London? Because this week, Stephen, one of my highlights of the week, because you didn't answer my question, uh, was, aside from buying a DeWalt uh, combi drill, uh, 18 volts, by the way, 18 volts, and doing a because bit... Because your point being, you manfully drill and I gay bake. You might interpret it that way. I wouldn't. Um, one of the many things that uh, I did this week, my highlights of the week, is I did a home test for sexually transmitted diseases. STI, what you test- you like to call them these days. Well, in case your home's got a sexual... Exactly. Disease. So obviously I'm self-isolating. I'm not wholly self-isolating because my best friend is here. No sexual activity. Just so to- are you self-isolating or not then? Difficult conversation, isn't it? Well, no, my best friend is... is he, he's, he's in the spare room. No sexual activity if we're talking about sexual health, by the way, just to be clear. Well, um, someone's in the spare room. That's not a euthanism, though. They're literally in the spare room. That doesn't count. Okay. Because anyway, come out. So I did. So I did a sexual health test. Obviously, having done lots of regular sexual health tests over the years, because it's really important. Um, I wasn't surprised by what arrived when I had to do my own testing. Because basically, everything arrives in the post. You do your own testing. You put it in a box. You post it back. But what I didn't realise is that I don't have any blood. No. Are you supposed to do. A, a finger prick and drop some blood into a, a little beaker and send the beaker back in case mm. it doesn't work they send you a spare finger prick and in case that doesn't work they send you a second spare finger prick three mm. finger pricks later three I've, so i've gone through three pricks by this point just to be clear mm. Couldn't see I, then, that I then took my sushi knife that's how middle class this working class boy from essex is he has a sushi knife and sliced my finger and still struggled to give Sexual Health London enough. Oh, you're not serious. Yeah, no, I am oh, serious. That's, that's disgusting. What do you mean you sliced your finger? I, I got my sushi knife because I know because oh, so sushi knives are so sharp that actually I sliced the fourth finger. Look. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah. Oh, don't show it. I don't want to see it. So did you uh, get blood out or not? 
End the story. Yeah, but I'm still not sure I got enough. But let's see what happens. Well, have you posted it off? Yes. When do you get the result of whether you've sent enough blood or not? But all jokes aside, which seems to be my uh, nothing to see here default saying, how cool is it that the NHS are doing free home sexual health testing kits? How amazing! Well, I'm. I wouldn't call it cool. I would call it amazing because they've got so much on at the moment that I would have thought it isn't a priority. But I'm, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way. So I think it's great they're doing it. Because generally, if you look them up, they're like a, they're anything from like 160 quid if you want like a full screening mm. at home. Mm. Because obviously, like a lot of people do it from home because they're a bit shame based, which is unnecessary, obviously. Um, well, in but, your case. No, I'm doing it from home because we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not taking myself off to no hospital at the moment unless I have to. I'm not taking myself off to no hospital. Problem with that sentence structure? <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Nothing. But so, yeah, no, it is impressive. And I am, I think, yeah, it is impressive. Good. What were your highlights this week? I did a meditation class and I cooked a meal today. These are the highlights of my week. The highlights of the week are now very small things, but there's nothing wrong with that because I get quite a lot of pleasure from them all. Yeah, I have to say there's part of me that doesn't want the lockdown to end properly. I mean, I mean... No, there's part of me that guiltily feels like that. That's because you don't like people, isn't it? I'm slightly worried how well I've adapted to being at home all the time. <laughs> I am slightly worried. Do you know, one of my fantasies about the, this pandemic is that actually maybe we'll be a little bit kinder to each other coming out of this. Because actually, in the whole social distancing stuff and the whole having to walk, you know, when you walk past somebody on the path, a lot of people then move out of the way. Actually, there's a, an acknowledgement of each other, not everybody, obviously. Mm. Yes, there's a lot of courtesy and politeness. Which was missing, certainly in the city, or certainly in London. Because that's what I don't like about Londoners, is that they're fucking rude. Well, they just are because um, London's too big, and there's just too many people in too little space. And, and, and everybody is stressed getting to their jobs and trying to get home. And but Why do we take it out on each other? Why don't we take it out in the right direction? Why, when our trains are overcrowded, are privatised, overcrowded, cancelled, delayed, fucked over, we pay far too much for our, our train fares, why do we then elbow the next person on the train next to us and fight for our little bit of space rather than smashing the train station up? Or going on strike or doing something that would make a difference rather than just being angry at somebody else that's just trying to get to work. Why do British people do that? Well, the French go on strike all the time, don't they? Yeah. It's a British thing. Mm. Like displacing the... And that's the Tory... That's interesting that's the Tory power because what the Tories... And there's a difference, by the way, for me between Tories and Conservatives. Tory is one very definite way of governing a certain type of conservative politics. Uh, The Tory power, the Tory dream is to turn people against each other, distract from the fact that these uh, people are just screwing everything up. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think there's lots of interesting conservatives who I'm happy to have a conversation with and listen to and who could change my mind about things. And I think there's very few Tories who could do that. Yeah. But the power of that, that, certain type of Tory is that they turn 
they're, they're daily mail. They're the daily mail. It's like fear on page one, fear on page two, fear on, mm. be scared of this person, 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 be scared of this person. So we just learn to hate and dislike ev everyone, which is why we then get on the tube or the train with our elbows out, trying to make like our own personal garden rather than actually making a, being kind to other people that are struggling and trying to make a difference collectively together. Again, one of the lovely things that's come out of this pandemic is the road that I live in. Suddenly we're all on a WhatsApp group of about 120 of us now. That well, they've let you on it. What? They've let, let you on it. Yeah, because I did that, an What an amazingly fabulous road that is. Yeah, well, do you know what? It's because I did an origami trick and it was magic. <laughs> we leafleted everywhere just to say that if anyone's on their own and anyone needs any shopping we'll do all of that blah 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 and it's been quite a, it's the the vibrancy and the connection of that group has carried on it's it is kind of there is something very lovely in that well i think we are all going back to you know it's that thing of nature around us noticing the birds we're noticing the people around us our focus is on our immediate you know i do feel i'm in a bubble and there's a lot of selfish uh about that and but we're also in a bubble that makes us be more aware of those around us and what's everything around us and um, because we're in such a big city all the time and we're traveling long ways all the time um that i think little communities are springing up and i really really hope uh, i was listening to something today saying oh it was esther ransom talking about silver line saying there are so many people she brings people at christmas who are at old people who are just absolutely on their own and we are pushing we're all scared of old age and we push our old people away um and i hope this is making us more thoughtful about those around us i think the theme of this episode as much as friendship is about connection and what we're talking about is connection um and i think in this pandemic ironically which is all about social distancing i think we have all felt a little bit more connected together. And I'm not going, we're all in, in this together. What I'm saying is there is a general thing, I think, about people just being slightly more open to other, real people I'm talking about, not people that don't live a real not life. Not actors. I'm talking about the people that are driven to and from work, don't know what the price of milk costs, oh, yeah, yeah, never yeah. been into a shop, uh, have maids, have people cooking for them, um, you know, don't use the tube, don't use buses. That's, I'm talking about people with a very strange sense of reality who have no sense of empathy. Because if you have a very strange sense of reality, if you don't know how much price of milk costs, how can you have a real sense? If you don't go into a shop, if you don't know what it's been like to shop in a shop during this pandemic, then how can you possibly know how the world functions? And bearing in mind, I've already owned my privilege by owning the fact that I am privileged enough to be able to shop in a shop, because of course, an awful lot of people are not privileged enough to be able to do that. But also the interesting thing about going supermarket shopping is you realise you really cannot, with the best wind in the world, you cannot really keep two metres from people for a lot of the time. No. But if we do start easing out of lockdown, and I'm not talking about going to the theatre and sitting next to people and what have you, it's just going to be, we just, we, we can't do it. No, and, know, whatever and, and bless fucking the poor teachers and the poor kids going back to the schools far too soon. How that mm. is going to work is just, that is crazy. Our, school, our schools do, are not architecturally designed for smaller numbers for spacing. It's not going to happen. Mm. 
like so mm. many of the government policies during this this pandemic it's being set up to fail and then your average person will get blamed for it which is what the whole keep alert policy is about well, it's like, oh, we told you to keep alert but you're right I mean, you there's some i was listening to a woman on the radio teacher head teacher saying the, the corridors are so small you just you, just, you know kids are brushing past each other just to get down the corridor and she's not opening her school children are going to want to play with each other mm. i mean i can't imagine what it's like to be a, a child in this at the moment and not have your mates to kind of be around and it must be the weirdest thing and i, I although i am also fascinated by uh because of it, of course what would have happened to all of the babies that are born during this uh situation is that there will be enforced paternity and maternity leave so i'm really i'll be fascinated to see if somebody does the research around the kind of brain development and the emotional development of mm. the children having uh more contact time with their parents as mm. a result of this i think that will be interesting because mm. they're having more family contact and less social contact and but but ultimately family contact is more important yeah it'd be interesting yeah but I mean, my neighbour was saying, you know, she took a little boy into school and he, you know, she let him, he's four or five, I think, and she said she let him see his classroom because he needed to know it was still there. And I thought I hadn't, that was such a nice thing to do because children don't necessarily, you know, for all he knows, the school could have just disappeared and that's why he's not going to school anymore. And I think it was yeah. important she did that to show him that it was still there because, and he's, she said he's really missing school because it's a huge part of his life that's just suddenly been uh chops out of it and i don't think we as adults really can understand what that feels like for a child no it must be the weirdest thing because of course as adults as adults it's tough enough we're really struggling with the change that's why everyone was sleeping funny at first and dreams were funny at first and everyone was a bit stressed and everyone was a bit you know we're in the middle of a huge existential crisis as adults that's but we different. understood why we, we understood all, what was well, going on. yeah to a level i'm not sure we I think we all understand it in our own way, but we also don't understand it. It's anxiety provoking and it's depression provoking and everything else. But can it just be said here that this is a very mature and sophisticated podcast? It's a very mature and sophisticated. It's a meeting of brilliant minds. I heard somebody say once. Yeah. Who was that? No idea. But you know, I do have some drilling to do. Yeah, I know. I've got to do some baking. So gay. So macho. <laughs> You're going to make a cupboard. I've made a cupboard today. I did it so badly. Like, I, I, I thought I was following the instructions. Then I got distracted. Oh, <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> I genuinely thought, like... I got distracted. I, I, I did a, I do, I'm all right with DIY. I'm an eldest child, single parent family. I did a lot of pretending I was the father of the family. I'm all right with DIY. But apparently, I'm not very good at following instructions. No. Something I've never noticed about you. Well, listen, I've got a few suggestions for, for you making your next week the best week of your life. I think get yourself a drill. Oh, do a home STI kit. Um, yeah, that means we're just going to be the same person. <laughs> get yourself a drill. Uh, and, and I can't quite work out why that's not right, but <laughs> something at the back of my head is saying, no, don't do it, it's wrong. So my steers for this week, keep baking. 
Keep real. Wednesday, Wednesday is baking day. Oh, it's Wednesday baking every day. Yeah, yeah, and every day is real day. What are you doing next week? Uh, Damn Cheek Theatre Company. By the way, I'm, I don't know if I've told you, uh, I'm, I'm training for the marathon. That's what I'll be doing this week. Um, there is a yeah. Just Giving page. So I'll be training. For Anyone who doesn't know about the Just Giving page, just refer back to the pilot episode. Yeah. Um, so I'll be training for the marathon. I'll be doing my online work. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do any more taking blood. I think I've given enough blood. I probably won't like not I'm gonna give it an age restriction. So I might go like twenty-one. I'm gonna seduce some twenty-one year olds into some social distancing. And then I'm gonna work out how I can socially distantly suck their blood to replace the blood that I've had to give it because it wasn't only the blood that I gave away because I kept missing the jar the problem with the blood jar was that that it wasn't wide enough I'm going this week my aim for this week is to do some socially distanced blood sucking having done this podcast episode I feel like every drop of blood has been drained out of my body leave it at that was episode one of nothing to see here with Stephen and darren if you enjoyed it please leave us some feedback both of us are quite needy rumor has it there'll be more along the way thank you for listening I am a man with my actors.